Hello. Hey, we did it. We did it. We did it, Joe. Hold on. I got to attach my AirPods. <laughs> okay. Take your time. Take your time. Hey, Hello, everyone. We're waiting for Eve real quick. Hello. Happy MLK Day, everybody. Hey, you're back. You're back. I don't know if I can hear you. Hello, everyone. Oh, there you go. I hear you. Can you hear me? Perfect. Yep. Five. Five. Hey, Eve. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. How y'all doing? So, without further ado, we're going to kick it off. So, um... This is the Reimagined series with PMBC, um, Visualizing a New World and Actualizing Justice. I'm Adriana Sowell, um, the founder and president of the National Black Cooperative, um, and our, where our mission is to use a health justice framework to fight anti-Blackness, systemic racism, and social injustice through education, advocacy, and community engagement so that Black, Indigenous, and people of color cannot merely survive but flourish. Um, in, this, in the Reimagined IG series, we'll be we'll be discussing visualizing a new world and actualizing justice. The goal of this series is to decolonize what justice looks and feels like, assert action steps to actualize justice, and to create a community where activists, advocates, scholars, intellectuals, musicians, artists, and more can be in conversation, sharing various viewpoints and cultivating um, collective power and impact. And today we're joined by our very own Eve, uh, Vice President of TMBC, she has a bachelor's and race, gender, and ethnic, ethnicity in healthcare. So, uh, and as an MPH candidate um, in sociomedical sciences, and as a racial justice and health, um, health equity advocate. So, without further ado, Eve, do you want to tell the people a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. So, my name is Eve Francois. I am a second-year MPH candidate at the University of um, at Columbia University. I'm so used to saying University of Connecticut. At Columbia University, Melbourne School of Public Health, um, I have, as Adriana said, like a bachelor's degree, but um, I think one of my favorite things to talk about is my passion projects are reproductive justice and Black women's maternal mortality. That's actually how Adriana and I, you know, became friends, is the fight to end um, Black deaths while creating families um, in different ways in the areas and aspects. And obviously, like, health is not just, doesn't start and end at a hospital. Um, it really is how society and all the barriers within society um, impact people um, and what messages is society sending to different groups of people to be healthy or not be healthy that really harms them um, in different ways and is manifest in different ways. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you all for coming onto this live um, and watching it after if you are as well. Thank you, Eve. Um, so I guess starting off with our questions, what grounds you in the social justice space? I know you just talked about reproductive justice, but just to expand a little bit about like on health equity, reproductive justice, and like um, why it grounds you, how it grounds you in the space. I think um, first and foremost, we talk about how our identities, like our work um, really does intersect with the personal, the personal and the professional always come into that middle ground. And as, as a, I'm a first generation um, Haitian American, as my parents were born on Haiti and then they came here and they had me and my brother. Um, and then um, obviously I'm black women in America, so that really does inform my experience. But um, something that, like the fact that always makes me like really interested in healthcare and health disparities and really brings it to light is um, 
immigrants who come into the U.S., no matter their racial or ethnic category, will have the same birth outcomes as white women in this country. And if most of the time, they're actually healthier than white women in this country, their birth outcomes. Within one generation, um, that the outcomes of their children mimic who, like whatever ethnic or racial category they're um, racialized into within the the um, country. So like for us, my parents are from Haiti. So like my mom's birth outcomes would be better than white women. But then just within one generation, statistically speaking, my birth outcomes would be black women who have been here for generations. And I think that that's like really mind blowing is that in one generation, like racism and racial toxicity is so endemic in our society that just one generation of people um, experience two very different health outcomes. Um, and so that really like grounds my work is like the idea of like, why is it that people can't have come to this country, have children, are buying into this idea of the American dream, and then, you know, actually, arguably bring their children into a more toxic environment, right? Um, and also like just being Gen Z millennial, I don't know what they call us anymore. <laughs> our, our, our birth year keeps, they keep switching us, throwing us out, but you know like this idea of like growing up in social media and growing up with social justice at the forefront and understanding that like our lived reality is not the perceived reality that we're supposed to experience has been really at the forefront of like my mind and I think really this idea of like if it's not us now then who will do it and walking into that idea of like we may not have the best circumstances but people fought for what we have now and we need to continue that fight to make sure that the next generation of people who are growing up now can have a healthier life. Um, and I think that's kind of like what grounds me. Um, so I think that answered your question. Yes, that was powerful. And I think the point of, like, I, I resonate with you and I really like, the part that caught me too when I like was researching, like started learning about it too, is like thinking about um, people, like black people, black women that have immigrated to the United States, right? And thinking about their children, thinking about my mo- my mother and her parents, like her mother who immigrated here, and then she immigrated when she was very young. But like essentially, she's been racialized in this country and thinking about how the undue levels of stress, the, the how toxic the U.S. environment is. That like literally just by the second generation, that your your health out, like outlook um outcomes drop dramatically, like to the to the point that it becomes um that of very similar to those that are um, have been here for centuries. So it's crazy to think about thinking about like resilience, racial stress, racism, and how pervasive and like like you said, endemic it is. So you made you know, very powerful point there. Um, and then the next question we have is, what is your form of action? So when you think about action, there's very different ways that can take shape. Think about education, activation, community building, music, community organizing. There's very different, a lot of different forms in which you can or mediums you can use to um, to do your social justice work, what form do you take and why do you why do you choose to take that form? So I think it's really interesting because I've been asking myself this question since I got into like, since I switched my major at UConn to an individualized major, um, really since we've been forming TNBC as, I've, as I'm coming to the end of my MPH journey, um, it always changes and it always shifts. And I think of it through like inside outside players. I think that's just how we're like designed to think of things is like once you have a certain, once you get a bachelor's degree, um, you kind of become like this weird double agent where like you grew up in the community, but now you have education to support yourself and to um, 
use those words to like elevate yourself to be like um, in a higher level position and that really become like more of an inside player within the system. Um, and the more you go up in higher ed, the more you realize how like you don't feel different as a community member, but you know more as a community member. And so there's this, this tension, right, of like the things that you do at different levels are can either be effective or not as effective. And I think um, it's changed at different phases. At this point in my life, I'm thinking of the realities of being in this capitalist, neo-capitalist, uh, really racist system, which is like debt is like a real thing. Um, and like, how do I contend with the fact that like, for me to flourish, I cannot pour from an empty cup. Um, and so I think right at this current moment, that's something I'm really contending with. But in the past, I've used um, active participation, um, really going out and going to demonstrations, using my like, um, limited platform as like a student inside the system to challenge the system. Um, really trying to bridge those gaps. Um, and I also kind of think of finding ways to have community engagement as really important to me as well. So community engagement is really different um, in different aspects, but like currently right now, like as I'm sitting down, I'm probably using education as the forefront of my activism, just like educating myself, educating other people, and also being really open to critique and criticism. Um, I think that that's something that's lost in our system is like this feedback loop of like you can say something but I also need to be able to receive what you're saying in a positive manner so that's where my activism is, is like always critiquing my activism and always thinking about the evolution of it it's not a linear path it's can go all over the place and that's okay um and right now I still think I think being in higher ed and as a student um especially at this institution it can feel like we're not doing anything, but I think that there's power in being a voice that's paying to be at an institution um, and using that, my platform in that to really challenge the system and be a part of movements and be a part of activating students and using my education that the white man gave me to um, challenge them, right? Like your institution says they're diverse and they want to be inclusive, right? But they're not. So when you put that to the platform and are like, hello, you're not diverse or inclusive, what are they gonna say about that? They can't go back on their word. And if they do, they look bad. So doing that is kind of what I've been doing right now. Definitely. That, that was a beautiful thing right there. And I think something that like I caught I like I've realized that like as our friendship has evolved and like since uh, since I've known you, right? You've always been a person to like speak truth to power in like any situation. And I think there's something valuable to the idea of like sometimes being yourself is radical enough. Like being a black woman in a space that is not meant to keep you is radical enough sometimes because like you just being there is like not by by way of structure and design is not supposed to happen you know what I mean but you have been able to make that happen and making sure that your your voice is untarnished right and unsanitized and you're speaking your fullest truth is something that I know you do all the time right like I think there's something very powerful about that um and if there's something that like that in itself is radical and like you continuing to use that, like you said, ever evolving, like this, like this, as you move in the world and become different things, it's like things shape and change. And another thing that TNBC has been talking about a lot too, is like, um, as we like, everybody's like adjusting, adulting is the idea, like how capital, capitalism really starts to come to the forefront. And you start to realize like, I don't want to feed into a system that never feeds back into me. Like there's nothing fulfilling about that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, 
I want to be able to find, and I feel like you're probably on this journey too, like as you were saying, like trying to figure out where I can find spaces that, yeah, I feed into them, but I'm they're feeding back into me. Or at least I have the, the ability to like have rest or protect my peace or find some kind of, you know, space for that. So I think those beautiful points and going kind of off of what you were saying at the end there, what when did you become activated? Um, how did you become activated around like social justice, racial justice issues? Um, and is there a certain per like was there a certain person or certain thing that like was a catalyst to your activism? I think um, kind of relating back to like what you were saying before, um, I don't think activation happens all in one go. I think it's an evolution and a cycle. And um, I've kind of learned to embrace doing the minimum. <laughs> um, I think that I think, I know as people of color, whether you're a black woman or you're a queer person or anything on the spectrum that is not what they want us to be, right? Or what they, they measure us to be the standard. Um, we are expected to have to go above and beyond to be given the same opportunities, not even the same, half the opportunities, quarter of the opportunities as somebody else who literally does the minimum, right? Like the amount of, I love my class. I love my MPH people. I think I'm in this place where I'm supposed to be, but the amount of times where I'll sit down and see white mediocrity of just doing the bare minimum and getting the maximum opportunity. I'm like, at first I was frustrated and resentful, but I'm like, you know what? Like if they can like literally be mediocre and like have these opportunities, then me doing like just one little bump on top of that, people will see that I, my effort, and if they don't want me to be there or they don't see what I'm bringing to the table, then that's not my job to like tell people why I'm of value, right? And I think that that is something that becomes really hard as we get into our careers and as we adult more is like the idea of like, it's okay not to go above and beyond because you're still getting paid the minimum wage job. Um, and that's something that I'm like contending with right now too is like, if I'm not being paid to do above and beyond work, I will not give you above and beyond work and that is okay. Um, and I don't wanna be in a place that's not recognizing that I'm going above and beyond, right? Um, and that's something else that like I'm contending with at all times. So I guess with the activation, right, is like when you're, I mean, I've always been activated because like you are, you know, you're, you, you realize when you're a kid, like you're different from other people because I coughed and like I'm getting in trouble I like got up, got a tissue without asking and I'm getting in trouble with like someone else, like we'll go push someone else in the corner and they'll be fine, right? But like, I think at different levels or phases of life activation look different, right? Like in high school, activation was really tied to like my faith um, and like what I thought it meant to be like a Christian, right? Cause I needed to like redefine that. And then activation in college was really tied with identity and like unlearning my faith, right? Um, and so like, what does it mean to be like a black woman in America? What does it mean to be a black Haitian woman in America? What does it mean to like have, to want to work in like a healthcare capacity when you understand that people are not coming to the system with equal opportunities to have, to even pay for their medication or to even like buy groceries, right? Or one person's taking the bus to come to the, to come to the, the doctor's appointment, but somebody else has a car. Like, what does that mean? Um, and so I think for me, like, I was activated as like in middle school understanding differences, but like it wasn't really until I was able to piece those things together and put in like words to bring words to power of my experiences until college 
when I did my individualized major that I was like, oh, like this is what's happening. And then kind of like shaping my identity and my journey as I've gone through, right? And like being okay with accepting the fact that like, I don't need to be this extra mile in this aspect. I can just show up as myself or people don't want to hear what you have to say, but you'll say it anyway and be okay with the backlash of that. So I think for me, activation is just different. Like every, every turn, every couple of months, something new happens and I learn different things. And I think that no one will ever fully be activated, but it is the pursuit and the intentionality of wanting to be a good person that is really important. That's, that was a good point there. I like I like how you where you took that. I think one thing that you one thing that you talked about was like not as the ability of like white mediocrity, right? And being able to excel beyond like incredible heights by doing like the bare minimum and thinking about like exercising the idea that not everybody should have the access to my greatness all the time, right? Like sometimes I need to protect my graces because not everybody deserves that. Like not everybody deserves that access. And you're talking about like your job. I'm like when you, you don't even see the value of me to pay me what I'm worth. So why should I go and kill myself day in and day out when you don't even respect or value what I'm doing to begin with, what I'm giving you. So, and, and they, they probably wouldn't even realize it because they don't care to. So I think that was something like, that was a very powerful point that you talked about there. And you're thinking about like how, activation comes in waves and comes in phases and comes in chapters and comes in seasons and like I think that's such a great point I think we were talking about like language and, and like I know we used to talk about this a lot back when we were in college about like sometimes like when you're when I wasn't like I well, I was always curious right always asking questions like why who made this to be like what this like who said that we had to do this like this like always questioning authority like you know that's the kind of stuff that gets like a teacher's nerves but nobody wants you to question authority all the time but like why is this the way it is and who said that it had to be that way and why can't we change it type energy and, and when you get to college there's something about gaining the language and able to like identify systems and be like no this is what this because this and this and I know that because of the context of history and nobody can like there's a certain level of like you know there's something wrong but there's unsureness about how you can like um articulate the um the, the injustices that are happening but once you gain that language, it's almost like, um, like, um, the, all the infinity stones have united, and you're yes. like able to just like, no, nobody can tell like this is this and this, and it's clear like all the curtains drop. You know what I mean? It's just like it becomes very clear to you, and you realize, in in actuality, almost everything in here is socially constructed, and if that's the case. That means we all have the power to change what is, because exactly. we all create. Exactly, and I think. Um where we create things is not always equal um some people had more a bigger stake in the pie but like it's also like we're inheriting things and we are allowed to change them as we come into power ourselves and inherit things and i love what you're talking about like this this idea of like clarity like our experience with people of color especially as black women like people like to gaslight people of color all the time right like we get gaslit without even knowing that we're being gaslit, right? Like, are you sure that that's racism? Like, are you sure they're being sexist? Like, are you sure it's not just because, you know, you're aggressive or like you're a little aggy today? It's like, are you on your period? Like those questions, like, what does me menstruating have to do with the fact that you have said something that has offended me, right? Or the idea of like emotional capacity, right? Like people don't have that. 
And so when you're articulating like, hey, I felt like this when you said this, people are like, well, you're being sensitive, you're being emotional. And those things can be very traumatizing, um, hearing them day in, day out constantly and consistently throughout your life. And to be able to like identify and like hear the words of like, oh, like this word identifies my experience is like so powerful. And I just love what you're talking about with that. Um, but yeah, society, man. And also like, just because something else that I've been thinking about a lot is like, just because I did not make it does not mean it's not my job to fix it too, right? Like I did not make slavery. I did not sit here and decide to be a black person, but it is still, I still have a stake in the pie to make sure that like I'm fixing society, right? Same thing with like people, same thing with like being a black person fighting for like Asian American rights, right? Same thing with being a black person fighting for Latino and like like Latinx and um, Afro Latinx rights. Like it doesn't matter if like it affects me because if we we are better and stronger together and unified, and if we are not unified, they're going to they've done they've won right they divided us and conquered us and look at where we are right now right. So like I just I don't know just thinking about what you're saying like impactful no, always impactful. And you you speak into like um, Martin Luther King's um, legacy, talking about the interconnectedness of like all our struggles are interconnected. And if you can't identify or you choose not to identify, then justice is happening over there is indirectly going to affect you anyway. We're all interconnected. We're all all marginalized people are interconnected in some kind of way. We all live at the intersections of something, right? We're black. We're women. Classism. Um, all the different things culminate together. We don't just live in one silo of what we are. Our identity is vast and it's intersecting and it's complex. So that was a really, really good point. Um, and then the next question we have here is, what does reimagining a new world mean to you? So thinking about like, sometimes, a, a lot of the time, kind of going back onto like the part about discovering language and having the language to identify system structure. Sometimes like you not, all, there comes a point where you gain the capacity to reimagine, right? Like, you have to be able to, like, identify, like, this is not as good as it gets. And I can, I feel like I know that there's a way to um, move past this and do better, right? And to create something that's more equitable, that's more just. So when did you get that capacity? And what um, what does reimagining a new world mean to you? I feel like I got that capacity to, like, quantify it, start quantifying it my like senior year of college and then like I feel like I really have the tools to do it um now um especially after like my first year of my MPH I think you you see what's wrong but you can't really like describe what's wrong in like a very articulate way and now I really do feel like I have the tools to say like this theoretical framework is what we should be using to create laws and policies personally reimagining the world as we are would look like going back to, you know, our indigenous roots and being very much community-based and community-focused because as I, saw, as I say all the time in our conversations, when the federal government fails, the community prospers. We still do what we have to do, whether it's paid, like some of the most important work, and I've had to come to terms with this, the most important work is going to be the unpaid labor that we do. That's just how we got to do it. Um, and I think about, I would love to pay every single community member, every single mutual aid organizer, every single, you know, person who goes down the street and makes sure that like grandma may has groceries in their um, refrigerator gets paid, but like it's unsustainable and it's infeasible. And sometimes it really just invalidates the work if we do that, right? 
And so I think um, my, in like my radical thinking and my radical framework, I would definitely want us to go back to our roots and go back to community living. However, we know our, we know redlining exists. We know gerrymandering exists. We know that the way that our country has been built is purposeful and intentional in breaking up communities. And those who are in communities don't have the same resources. There's not enough access to resources. So I think with that reality, right, I think pushing for equitable and more sustainable ways of making laws and policies and bridging community collaborators and really community co-conspirators who are doing the actual work with policies and um, with laws and policies that are actually going to help community members. And also like the, the justice system is working perfectly fine. It's working the way it was intended. So there's always that, but if we're gonna reimagine society, we're reimagining the whole society, right? So changing the way that we think of laws and policies um, and really understanding, making a direct root of like reconciliation and restorative justice, you know, like approach, um, right? Like doing, writing writing wrongs and like writing harms that have been done without being detrimental by removing people from our communities just making it cohesive and not destructive right was kind of like how i would describe it but yeah once again going through the cycles activate at different times quantifying at different times so yeah that's a beautiful point and kind of going off of your point on like restorative justice and really trying to like kind of just build community like you were saying like the importance of community and inter interconnectedness and just like having love for one another and your community members and really trying to create that social change that meets the political change which you're pointing to like having policies that are like shape and help um build up the community rather than um splinter and tear them down so i think that was like a really beautiful point and the next question kind of goes off your point on like restorative justice and asking what does justice mean to you and how do you define it? And I ask this question because like kind of going off what you were saying with the criminal justice system, like our idea of justice a lot of times, or when I say our, I mean like the general public's idea of justice is very colonized. It's like linked to punitive justice. When you think of justice, you think about the criminal justice system. And in so many ways, it's not justice. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not what justice can look like. So what does justice mean to you and how would you define it? Um, yeah, so like I... It's funny because I always go back to like my faith, but like in ancient, like he in Hebrew, there's like a different word for like, there's two words for justice, how we think of it in English. There's one for reconciliation um, as we think of it. That's like not really the correct way of translating it, but like reconciliation. And there's one that's like for justice, right? And like reconciliation is like focused on that word is focused on like, you've done a wrong. So we're going to like right the wrong, whether that's to give money, um, community service, or like an apology, like it takes different forms. And then like justice is the idea of like, there has been some type of like, there's, there's now a gap that's been created by like whatever you've done. And it's our job to like heal and restore the community in that way. Reconciliation is like the action of like doing the justice, but like justice is actually bridging, filling in those gaps and like correcting what's happened, right? I love like this idea of like nature hates a vacuum, right? Like if you have something, you need to replace it with something else, whether it's a good or a bad thing is up to how you are intentional about how you're replacing it. And I think justice for me has been 
reimagining all the wrongs in society and replacing them with a right, right? Like whether that is, you know, reparations in the short term, but we also have a long-term pairing with that, which is integration, right? As much as people are like, integration ruined our society, I'm like, actually, no, I think that there were a lot of different players that were very intentional about making a system look broken before it was actually broken. And now, not even a generation after, we see the products of intentionally creating a broken system. And so I think being able to intentionally create a whole system where all people, no matter what race, class, able, um, like um, able body you are, like that intentional building of a system um, would change our society, right? Intentionally making it easier for people to access welfare, intentionally creating a social network system that helps people like have children who want to have children or not have children, people who don't want to have children. Um, intentionally thinking about, you know, different, different bodies being able to have kids, like um, intentionally thinking about like, you know, what it's like to be a young person with debt, right? Like the reality of like an 18 year old having to take out hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans when they thought $20 they were balling is mind blowing, right? And I think in those different, in different aspects of life, just like thinking of how someone can flourish and thrive and creating not only a short-term system to like right those wrongs, but also a long-term system to make sure that like you're growing a society to be whole is something that like I think is justice, right? Creating a world that like is sustainable and does not harm people anymore and is actually helping people do well as a society is something that I think is justice. Yeah. Ooh, that was that was that hit deep, girl. That hit deep. I think I when we were talking, I was thinking about the cool I think it was Raising the Sun or it was um Winston Hughes. But they talked about like um so many Rose, roses have to grow in concrete, right? Like, yes, a rose can grow in concrete, but I'd much rather have to give, be given the fertile soil so that it can properly flourish in a way that it, they don't have to sustain resilience, they don't have to sustain stress, they don't have to sustain racism, they don't have to sustain sexism, they don't have to sustain ableism, right? But they can just be able to flourish and be their fullest selves without having to have all these um, unnecessary evils to be attacking them every step of the way that they, they, they navigate. And I think there's something, that was like a really good point that you made about just like this this system of racism and um, anti-Blackness. And so, it hurts all of us, right? It hurts all of us. And it takes like, it, it's going to take people to get to realize that. Like everybody is collective realize like, this system isn't working for any, it's working for very few of us, the top one, one percent, even them. It may not be necessarily working out the grace for them either. So it's like, how are we going to figure this out for us? You know, and figure out like, this is all like, like you said, the, the way that this big, these were designed, it was not designed in good faith, right? It wasn't good. Like you said, it wasn't designed in an intentional way, an intentional way via love. It wasn't intended to work for all of us. And thus we need to reimagine in a way that it can work for all of us and be fulfilling for all of us too. That was thoughtful. Um, and then the last two questions, so for the second to last one is, what allows you to reimagine, and I'll put them together, what allows you to reimagine and how do you plan to actualize justice? I mean, I'm gonna give you the real answer and I'm gonna give you the philosophical answer. The real answer is 
if I give up, who's going to help, right? Like, I feel like people who are privileged in very different aspects, right? Like, whether you're privileged racially, ethnically, you know, gender, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you, everyone has a privilege. Um, and the, the best privilege is the privilege to opt in or opt out, right? Like, people think, like, the opposite of, like, caring is, like, not caring. But, like, the opposite of being of caring about something is apathy and that that in that apathy you're able to turn off the destructions that are happening um and i, I it, being apathetic is so dangerous right it's not people who are actively destroying our society that are they are a problem they're not the biggest problem it's people who don't see that there is a problem for the biggest problem right because the people who are doing like really wicked stuff are like maybe like 10 percent there's people who are in the background doing their like little 20%, but then there's like a really big portion of the population who can just like, who are just so, who are just grinding in and out that like they have chosen to like turn off, you know, they, whether out of necessity to like actually get through the day or the week or the hour, or whether because they don't need to worry about this, that they get to turn it off and like be apathetic, right? And I just can't afford to be apathetic. I, I don't want... Like, I don't want my little brother who's, like, two years younger than me to go through what I've been going through, right? But, like, if we don't step up to the plate and do the work that needs to be done, I'm not going to say we're solving racism tomorrow. But I am saying that, like, even telling somebody about, like, how your experiences as whoever you are have impacted your history and you're still able to, like, thrive, right, or prosper in whatever context you're allowed to prosper, um, is still powerful, which is why I still think education is a really big tool in um, activism and um, changing our society. And like, look at education now, people online doing worksheets, what's happening to our young system? What is happening to our younger generation? It's scary. Um, but that's like one aspect of like why I need to reimagine and why I need to push forward even on the days that are really hard because I am on the other side of the fence, right? Like the reality is whether I had my, my debt <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the board of ed thinks <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like I still completed those degrees and I'm about to complete another degree. Right. And so that puts me on the other side of the fence in some aspects. And I need to help people who are still on the other side of the fence. I need to make sure that like they don't have to climb a fence and go through uh, the trenches with like broken glass to get to the same opportunities that I did. I want them to be able to open a door and to be presented with the opportunity on the other side of the fence to be like, hey, do you want to go to college? Like, it's free. And to be able to have the choice to say yes or no because they want to say yes or no, not because their finances or their parents or, you know, other constraints are telling them no. Um, so that's one answer. The philosophical answer is, you know, if not us, then who? And if not, and if not now, then when? You know, like we're in a whole panorama panini sandwich of a, of a cluster mess in like a degree, in like a field that I wanted to get into. And everyone's like, you, you want to go into public health because of the pandemic, right? And I'm like, I signed up before, I did the application before, you know, the panini sandwich was thrusted upon me. I didn't want it. I would have, I would have preferred a turkey sandwich, but you know, this is what I got. This is what I'm going to get. Um, but like being, being here, being in this moment, which is a moment of like, if people saying like, this person's racist is now received with a actually yeah or like a, a deep breath before the no or a pause is completely different from like our parents time where it was just you wouldn't even say the words right mm -hmm. you just were like this is how it is um and I think that being in a generation where like 
there are certain expectations that we have of each other and we're able to push those expectations a little bit farther um, gives me hope that like we can do this. And also the access to social media um, makes it so that everyone can be an activist and an advocate um, and everyone can do work that is sustainable, hopefully sustainable in a really great way. And it also opens up doors for a lot of misinformation and really a lot of not so great things that are happening. And I think that we're in a place now where as a society, we have to pick and choose and figure out how to redefine normal. And I think that that's really powerful. And I know that doesn't exactly answer the question, but that's one aspect of the question. The other aspect is I'm doing it by like, first I was doing it because I was like the person who, you know, the person who always volunteered, the person who was always on the, who was always on the clubs, who was always ready to like, do a protest, to show up, show out. Now I'm doing it by taking care of myself and like asking really good questions and being very intentional about using my space and using my gifts because not everyone is ready to receive what I won't have to say. And I'm gonna say it whether it's being received or not. And I need to be really careful about like my space and preserving my health. Um, so that's how I'm like doing it, right? Like I think we get to a point where like I love following the nap ministry because taking a nap is beautiful. They didn't want us to take naps, but naps are, naps are holy. Naps are a great space. Taking care of yourself, like self-care, not just in like, not just in words, but like actually in action and practice. So that's like how I'm taking care of myself and like making sure that like I am reimagining. I think I'm, I'm really good about advocating for other people, but I need to advocate for myself or advocate for other people. And I think that that's where I'm at in my social justice, reproductive justice, activist, community member, trying to get things done space. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think you talked about a lot of, a lot of really great topics. I think one thing you talked about, like the idea that we stand on the shores of giants, right? And um, how, they've gotten so far so that we can get this far and that we can just keep pushing the boundaries. And I think about like where we were in 2020 and we're slowly but surely starting to see the payoffs of, like you said, like the gradual, like things that would have been a debate are no longer like being debated anymore. Not like they never should have been debated, but like we're finally getting to the point where people are starting to like at least take the pause to check themselves before they start to just go off the limb. Of course there's people that are, you know, still do that regardless, but you know, by large scale, we are moving to a place where that is not the norm, right? That's not acceptable. It's not just like the hegemonic thing, like, oh, well, why is that a bad thing? Like, no, we're actually having the discussions where, like, no, that's not okay, and you need to be held to account for this, and it's not going to go, like, this is not going to go, like, unseen, unheard. Like, we're checking this now, and no, for next time, if you do this again, it's going to be a problem. So I think that was, like, a really good point. You also talked about, like, the idea of, like, or the sentiment of, like, collective history, how it's important for us to be able to like tell our stories, to be able to talk to like our, our, our younger peers and leaving that like door open, right? So that the, the way that they view themselves is not um, being told to them via like the, um, the colonizer, right? But it's being told to them via the people that are most like them, that are um, there to, to empower them, that are, um, that see themselves in them, right? I think that's something like very important. I think I was listening to a podcast like through line. They talked to Nicole Hannah Jones, and she was talking about the importance of just a collective history, history that we all tell each other, 
And I think, you know, like with the pandemic, when I heard that, I was thinking about like the pandemic drilling project and how important it is for us to tell our stories because we don't tell our stories, somebody else will. And that's not, it usually doesn't turn out good when that happens. So I think that was a really good point that you made too. Um, exactly. Oh, totally fine. It's okay. I was also going to say like, one thing I really appreciate, especially now, because we have so much time in ourselves, like with ourselves, whether like you want to or not, um, is the idea of like redefining community and reshaping community. Like there's been a really big reckoning um, within the Black community, within different Asian communities, like like Black community, like obviously is not a monolith and like Latinx community, non-monolith, not Asian community, non-monolith either, but different communities are having really intentional conversations of like, how do we like, wrap in the elders but also call them out for their problematic behavior as well um and I think that's really important because there will be a point where we are elders and we need to be able to like receive criticism and be able to do that in like a very tactful way um where we can like call in our elders to like be a part of our conversation because they've done so much for us and paved the way but like there are things that they thought were acceptable that are not acceptable right like a lot of like we don't want to talk about him, but like sexual assault is a problem in the black community. We'd be covering that up because the reality is the criminal justice system is not fair. Like bringing this up because like Bill Cosby, when he was sexually assaulting people, people were like, yes, prison. But then Harvey Weinstein, people are like, hmm, questions, questions. Do we actually need to do? And it's like, this is not how it works. A spade is not a spade, right? So like we're being able to have these really tough conversations within our community with elders within our age groups and also asking ourselves, how do we unify with each other? And I think that's really important. It's really, we're at like a really interesting crossroads of like intersectionality and intersectional um, activism and what that looks like. And like something I think about all the time is like, when you talk to me about like, you're like really deep founded and deep seated interests in books and like Malcolm X, I think about like, what would those especially because it's mlk day like what would our elders who have done so much and have sadly passed away and been like assassinated um want to do in these situations and like one of those things is like rereading their words for what they are because people love to like misquote that i have a dream speech it was more radical than what they give us credit for <laughs> um they love to misquote malcolm x like something that i think of all the time is how the the wall in DC of like MLK um, only has the quotes about like, that are like about peace and like pacifism, but like most of his books were just like super angry and like his letters from Birmingham um, prison cell, like those are very, very radical ideas and like reimaginings and like how we're reclaiming our history. Like the Black Panther Party when I was in high school, that, pan that Panther Party was called an in um, an inbred terrorist group, but now we all like the Panthers are right. Who made free busing? Panthers. Who made free breakfast? The Panthers. So like just like re-evaluating history has been really interesting as you like bring that point up as well. Oh my gosh, you you you're going off right now. You're going. I don't know if you know this, but you're going off. So, <laughs> so I guess I'm gonna get like the cat in the bag, but um for next month, PNBC is working on like some programming and stuff for Black History Month and um. Over the last couple of months, I've been reading this book called Black Feminist Thought by Hill Collins. I mean, love her. When I, like, when I read the book, I have just, like, a, just a beautiful reaction. It just, like, comes through my soul. And there was this one quote that caught me. It was in the beginning of the um, book. And it's, 
um, she quotes Alice Walker in this what it says. It says, people do not throw away their geniuses. And if they are thrown away, it is our duty as artists, scholars, and witnesses of for the future to collect them again for the sake of our children, if necessary, bone by bone. And she's talking about like how like black women's thought is suppressed. Um at, at all at, at the intersections, right? At being a, as being a woman, as being a black woman, right? So like in and even in, in women's spaces, how it's segregated this whole like, white white feminist spaces and uh, black spaces like with sexism with men and then just by the greater like, anti-black racist sentiment, right? How it's suppressed and how it's important. Like if our heroes are thrown away, it's our, it's our duty to reclaim that knowledge, right? It's our duty to um, reclaim that knowledge and bring it back into the world so that make sure that our, if necessary, bone by bone so that our children are able to have that collective history and to know and, and have access to um, the power that was, because so many times they erase, they erase us from the history books. They don't even talk about us, right? It's like, as if we didn't, all we were were slaves, right? Or enslaved people. When in reality, we we built we built this country, we are this country. And so this country would not be what it is without black people, specifically black women. And when we're talking about black women. And I think what you were saying there, like you hit the nail on the head. Um, with that like you really did um so yeah and then you also said I wanted to go back you said about talked about like rest in the nap ministry and I love her I don't know if you listen to the undistracted podcast but she was on there like interviewed and she talked about you did (laughs) so she talked about like radical rest and how like it's um like rest connects you to like the ancestral connection about how like um black and brown people's ancestors that were um enslaved peoples right and how they were not, they were deprived of rest because of this capitalist system that dehumanized them and did not allow them rest and only value their bodies for labor, right? And thinking about like us being able to rest now is like connecting us to our ancestors, right? It's like, it's a form of of radical, it's like, it's radical. For us to be able to rest is a radical thing because they were not given the, the, the ability, the privilege to do that. And us being able to do that is like almost, fulfilling or starting to, to to heal or restore that wound that has been like just being torn and torn apart for years and years but like girl I love it every day every time every time you go off but um uh, so to end I guess that's one I I've been ending was like asking people what are their like next steps things they want to share with the people about like what do you plan to do going forward what are your goals your outlooks and just like where are you at you know where do you see yourself in next like six months what do you want to be doing what are you doing um anything you want to tell people well your girl wants to be gainfully employed um so that she can pay her debt because like joe biden's not forgiving my debt anytime soon (laughs) and may one is when that interest rate zero hold ends so we gotta get (laughs) gainfully employed um that's like one two is i really i've always said this from the beginning i really want to be able to like for tmbc because like my goals are tmbc's goals and like i want us i want us to be in a place where like everyone who's on the board and everyone who volunteers can either like we can either have some type of like internship or um scholarship to be able to like help community members get to the place that they need to get to but also for us as like board members to like either be paid or to like be in a place financially where like it's okay that we're not doing unpaid labor or we all get, we all come up some, we get a grant or a scholarship or something for us to be able to like do this full time um, and like help our community, right? Like um, as we're all like branching, going different places, it would be really cool if we could make it national and we could like do programs and like 
you know, do really cool things for the community because I feel like we're in a really great place. I'm in the lobby, so I'm sorry for this background noise, everybody. <laughs> but another thing I love, would love just personally for myself is to be in a position where like I'm not in a lot of debt. Like relatively speaking, your girl's not like buying a house with her debt. Like I don't have a house loan of debt, but like it's still debt. And like I'm like I'm a youngin. Twenty three, we should not be having this much debt. But I would like to be in a place where I don't have as much debt. Um and I'm able because I don't have as much debt, I'm able to take more opportunities that are more fulfilling and sustaining and like beneficial for the community because I'm in a position where I don't need to worry about the capital of it all. Um that's kind of like mentally where I'm at. Also, I want to just be out of this degree. We need to we need to not be in school no more right now because I'm 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 burnt out. I've been burnt out for like a while now, but we here. And um, for the country, I really hope y'all just wear your masks when you're supposed to wear your masks. I'm not gonna get into no vaccine debates, but I just want you to wear your mask because it's nasty out there. The pollution that y'all did, we did that. So just put your mask on, please. Your lungs will thank you. I love it. I love it. You're the realest. Either. And I just want first. I want to thank you for coming today. I really appreciate it. And you're just an incredible soul. And every time, like every time, you never fail to speak truth to power. You never fail to, um, really just give a perspective that is needed. And you, you're just incredible. You're just an incredible person. I really appreciate you being here today. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I'm not Adrienne. I'm. Let me not hype myself up. Adrienne is the bomb. Okay. Like first of all, she's been the glue together doing all the wonderful things i love being your friend and i love doing this with you and i just love how like we always talk about me bringing truth to power but like you are a really radical person and like i just would follow you anywhere and like you have just the most abolitionist uh like i was to say activationist but that's not a word just like you're you always let a light a fire and everything and i love it and i just it's great i love it i'm here for it and you're such a great person too and like thank you for inviting me i'm like I feel blessed to be here. I feel like my soul has been fulfilled and nourished for the day. So I appreciate it. Seriously, this has been like the highlight of my 2020, so 2022 so far. So thank you. Love you, girl. I love you. Stay well, be well. And I, we shall see you. I shall see you soon. We should have, we have to link up. See you soon. But thank you so much. Okay. Bye everyone. And bye, Adri. Love you too. Have a good night, everyone. Bye.